You're listening to the Business Secret Podcast. The podcast is a chance for some of Wales' finest upcoming and established business owners to share the story of their business journey. Hosted by the team here at Penguin, our guests talk in depth about how they got to where they are today, offering invaluable advice on marketing, challenges, and the highs and lows of life as a business owner. If you like what you hear, then don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment across our socials. You can download your free copy of the book, The Business Secret, direct from our website on www.penguinwealth.com. The book is written for business owners by business owners, offering invaluable tips on time management, work-life balance, how to pick the right team, and so many more activities and tips to get you on the right track. Absolutely. Okay, so um, thank you for the attendees who've uh, joined us so far. Um, thank, I appreciate you giving up your lunch time on a on a on this. Uh, oh, it's not too down. It's not too cloudy here. Matt Anderson is joining us all the way from Chicago in the states. Matt Anderson is a um, a coach for business leaders in all sorts of areas, but he also does a lot in my space in financial services. He's written a book called Phoenix Referrals, Matt. That's right. Absolutely, I remember reading it a good few years ago and taking quite a bit from it. So me and Matt are just gonna have a conversation. I've got a couple of questions that have come in from people in advance and a couple of questions that I had myself. So we'll just have a chat for 30 to 45 minutes. There is a question and answer section and a chat section down at the bottom for those attendees. If you wanna pop a question in there, I will keep an eye on those during our chat and I will try to put any questions you've got to Matt. But please, this time is yours to get as much as you can from someone who specializes in helping people get more business ready. Matt, anything I've missed that you'd like to add to that? No, no, just happy to be helpful. So uh, fire away with, uh, with where you want to start. All right, so just so our listeners can be assured about your yeah, credential on the topic of generating referrals, generating business, um, you talk a lot about habits and micro habits. Can you just share a little bit more about your background in sales, coaching and training? Yeah, so I've been, yeah, fell into coaching uh, 20 years ago. I came across an inspiring book at Waterstones in Leamington. Uh, written by who was the person who was then anyway acclaimed by the Daily Mail as uh, Britain's best known life coach. I'd never heard of it. But uh, but anyway, uh, got some training recommendations from her, trained with an Australian firm. But I've been coaching for 20 years. Um, you know, started out very small with obviously people just, um, you know, that just almost beginning businesses and local businesses in, in one location. And uh, it's been, I've been fortunate over the years. I've, I've been able to grow and um Work with people in many many different countries probably 35 or more different countries across half the world uh, i've had the chance to coach with and, and speak to and uh, as you mentioned the book was a business bestseller a number of years ago which was really about word of mouth business and uh, but the funny thing and i've probably coached i mean again it's been 20 years so it sounds like a big number but over 20 years you know probably a thousand different mostly i'd say independent salespeople are the people i've typically worked with but of course some of those have included business owners as well um, but the funny thing about that, which, which ties into this topic of habits and why I've become so passionate about it is I, you know, I created sort of a recipe around referrals about how to get word of mouth business. And it, and I was very proud of that and it was, and it works, it's very effective. Um, but what I learned from all my coaching and all the people I work with was very much that 80, 20 rule, um, that, you know, 20% of the people get, get 80% of the results and, and over time, that really frustrated me. I mean, it was incredibly um, distressing, actually, at times, because I couldn't understand why people were paying me, paying me to help them, and they're not really following through consistently. And so in more recent years, I think I wanted to address that better, um, because that was the piece where I felt like I was failing, um, and, and come up with some better solutions to help people more consistently follow through, and not just follow through, but, but actually have breakthroughs. Um, which, you know, I think we're all, we've all lived long enough to know don't, don't come easily and, and, and often never come at all. So that's what prompted me to get into the, you know, learn more about what I, what I call breakthrough habits because it sort of, you know, covers two bases with, with, um, with one phrase and, um, and, and, you know, kind of focus more on that topic. Do you want to give us an overview of what you define as a breakthrough habit then? So it's, well, firstly, it's, I think it's, it's, it's two things really. Um, it, there's the inside job. So there's, there's what's going on in our head. So we have to, we have to shift our mindset about what it is we want to achieve. That's the first piece, but that alone isn't enough. So then we need to do things to sort of prove to ourselves and to our brain that we're actually taking action in the right direction. And, and there've been books on this in more recent years. You know, I, people talk about them in different terms, micro habits, 1% habits, um, 
but, but this notion that if you do small things incrementally over time, it's going to cumulatively, you can start to do remarkable things, which really, when we think about it, is the reason why most people, if they become successful, do so is because they just practiced long enough and kept getting better. Yeah. But eventually, they, they then got labeled overnight successes after 10 years of doing it. <laughs> well, I said, yeah, I was talking to someone last week. It's amazing how people don't know how long Amazon was going for before it became the success that it was quickly becoming the last couple of years. It was 10 years before it really, 12 years before it really achieved scale, wasn't it? Or something like that. Yeah. It, well, what's silly too is, I mean, I know, I know our focus is business, um, but, but we've all seen it in our own lives or, or, or know people that have, that have had the experience. And the, I mean, easy examples are more in the lines of sort of sports. Um, you know, when we, when a lot of us start playing sport, a certain sport, well, often about the age of 11. Um, well, you know, if we think back to whether we were any good then, or it could be a musical instrument, it could be a foreign language. But I mean, if we think back to how we how capable we weren't at that age you know we only get good at it when we play it year after year after year and uh, and yet we forget that with our business that somehow i don't know we can take a couple of courses or get a certain certification and that somehow that entitles us or makes us assume that then we can become top of our game uh, or top of that industry and um you know and i see that paralleled also in business with like within networking circles you know it reminds me of the so many times where I, I would um, go to some kind of organization and certainly networking groups, chambers of commerce, BNI type meet groups are the easiest examples for all of us to relate to, but where people join and become members and then somehow make this assumption that business is just going to start pouring their way. And it's the exact same principle really, only in, only in that instance around, you know, the building relationships and just that, that takes time before people know, like, and trust you enough to actually give you opportunities. So it's that principle really, I think, the cumulative principle of doing the right thing. And I suppose also being conscious enough that it's taking us on a, on a higher, on a slightly upward trajectory bit by bit by bit that so long as we combine that with seeing ourselves in a different way that's kind of the inside job the identity piece the mindset piece if we can do both long enough then we can start to get breakthroughs well let's come back to the breakthrough thing. i'm interested in something you said because i know me and you've spoken before about you do quite a lot of work with bni and this did you know the group like that. so i know someone on the call uh, someone who has attended his uh, new business just starting so um maybe give some tips on how to how to use something like bni well in the modern in modern society Okay, that's a great question. Okay, so the, I'm just trying to think of this, the most succinct way to do it. Well, okay, so the first thing I would do is, um, is pay attention in the group to the people that give the most referrals. Again, the 80-20 rule that there's, you know, if there's, if there's 10 people in there, or if there's 20 people in the room, which hopefully there are, you know, four of them probably, like pick the four that are the best, the people most likely to, you want to get to know first and get to know best because they're the ones that are presumably hardwired or better skilled at giving referrals. So that's one thing I do is, you know, you, 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 you obviously want to get to know everybody, but at the same time, it's actually a mistake to treat everybody exactly the same in terms of how much time you give them because most of them aren't going to ever send you any business. And again, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, just more in a real world way. Yeah, they're just not attuned to it, are they? Some of them just can't think that way and just, yeah. yeah. Or, or they're just in different, such a different type of business that the odds of them being able to talk about what you do is too remote. Um, but anyway, other key things. So the, the big things in, in, um, in any kind of networking setting or even working with any kind of introducer is, or even a client for that matter, and you want them to introduce you is, is, is the first most important thing besides building a good relationship and uh, I guess earning that right to ask, which again is, so if you're new to a BNI, yeah, obviously you've got to, it's unrealistic to expect people to immediately give you referrals because you're a stranger to them. So it's about building trust and credibility. So I guess in the early days, you, you know, when you get a chance to, to talk in the meetings, share examples about other people you've helped professionally um, to build that credibility so that people can, you know, I guess, feel comfortable re recommending you, however you choose to do that. In other words, how you amassed your skill set so that even if your business is new, hopefully what the work you've done in the past demonstrates that you're, you know, good enough, competent enough to, to, to recommend. But the keys around referrals are essentially making it easy for people to refer you by being incredibly clear about exactly who you want to meet. So that when you paint that picture or name that person's name, then um, the people in the room don't have to think about it. 
you give an example that just one person will come to mind. So that's really one of the key things around referrals. And then the other piece, and this, this is not covered in BNI. BNI does lots of things really well, but one of the areas that they don't address much is uh, most people don't know how to make an introduction. They don't know what to say to other people so that you get that chance to talk to them. So it's your job to coach them. This is what to say. This is how to introduce me. And often the easiest way to do that is by, by writing an email for other people to share, which could just be a little sort of, you know, bio, biography, biographical paragraph about you. But, but, but that's the, 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 again, it's about making it easy. So be, be, spell out who you want to meet and make it easy for them in terms of how to introduce you. And if you cover those bases, then, then you should be in, in pretty good shape. Do you, so you, uh, from hearing that then, um, I think you guys over there say niche and we say niche over here. Um, drives me nuts when I come to MDRC and you hear people say niche. Um, do, you still, do you still believe in sort of niche, you know, I have a financial advisor and other sectors being quite niche and quite directly going after because I, I quite like to help everyone, whoever, you know, ever wants help, I'll try to help or our business will. Do you, do, when you go to BNI, you should have one clear objective, even if you are helping everyone, or do you think businesses do better if they are niche? Yes, I do think businesses are better with having a defined target market um, or niche. Having said that, I think when, we're new, when our business is new, I mean, again, the general advice that works for more, most people when you're new, I think you do need to, obviously you sometimes can't afford to be too choosy about who you work with. However, when you ask for something, that ask should still be really specific. In other words, where one to two people and the other person uh, you know, come to mind for that other person. Because if you're too broad, if you just say, well, we can serve any local area business, that is a useless thing to say, especially to someone in business, because that's most of their network. So you, you, know, you need to narrow that down. I hope that makes sense. So essentially when you ask for something, narrow it down uh, and it doesn't mean you can't have a plan b or a plan c or other things to request if that first one doesn't work but other but if you're too broad and it is counterintuitive you, it, it logically it'd say well shouldn't i cast a wide net um but that doesn't work i mean i can give you examples I mean, if i say to you you know do you know anyone that would like to make more money or that would like less stress in their life or they'd like to be healthier, or that would, you know, like to go on holiday more. I mean, you know, um, I'd like to be happier. I mean, those types of things are so broad, but they apply to just about everybody. Um, or that enjoy spending time with friends and family. So that's the problem when we ask, we, we make it too broad. Um, and think that, again, someone will come to mind, and it doesn't work that way. It's more effective if, we, if I said to you, you know, you know Craig, I'm excited because I'm going to be back in your area next month. I'd love for you to introduce me, you know, to the estate agent, banker, architect, printer, you know, um, whoever, you know, that you think does the best job or the accountant that you know that would be the best fit for helping business owners or, you know, but something specific yeah. um, that works better because then immediately one person comes to mind. Um, and that's the way to ask. And again, I know it's easier said than done, but it's a skill that you definitely want to work on and, and take a leap of faith on that. Um, because um, as I said, otherwise you're going to get frustrated at how little people help you. Okay. And I think that's a big takeaway how to get networking working better for you. Okay, let's go back to habits. You know, something you're really passionate about at the moment. And I think everyone's reading all about the 1% and, you know, I, I completely agree with uh, it to a large extent. So what's, um, what's so timely or special about the topic of breakthrough habits right now? And what, what is it that suddenly changed for everyone? Suddenly think it's a, uh, what we see it? Well, it's because it's giving us more control. I mean, um, I, I like to talk about the having a bullseye mindset, which essentially is around now more than ever for our own sanity. It's crucial that we spend our time doing things that we can we have control over, i.e., the bullseye. Whereas all the other circles on the dartboard assume they're things impacting your life that you have no control over whatsoever. And and and, and I think that's what, and especially in a fear. A fear climate like the one we're living in it's it's easy to get sucked into that and um and yet again there's nothing we can do about it so focus on the things you can control and then mentally focus on the things you want rather than the things that you don't want or that aren't happening because again that too is a negative spiral that starts as a mild funk 
but then you know if we let it get it get carried away can then start turning into feeling really down and anxious and then even depressed um so it's it's catching that as fast as possible so that's why micro habits are great now because it's, it's finding all those little things that you can do that um make you feel better about yourself and again being doing something constructive rather than something destructive or useless. So can you give us examples of, of good micro habits? Yeah. So you almost, it's almost easy if you throw out different areas of our life, you know, cause I break it down. Right. So I think there's mental health micro habits and certainly the most popular one at the moment is meditation, which, you know, not too long ago, a lot of people thought was a bit on the, um, I don't know, woo woo side or something or overly, I don't know. Um, vague but i think now people realize the benefits of how it reduces our cortisol and makes us calmer so that would be an example uh, and then there's you know physical health habits which um, i don't probably need to give examples of but you know it's just yeah. regular ex eating good food getting enough sleep um which aren't obvious and, and also <clears throat> avoiding um bad health habits you know especially especially at a time like this when we're stuck at home it's easier to overeat over drink and so on um but from a business standpoint that could be you know the, being a, being more of a leader in your business so being more you know proactive about contacting people in your network rather than avoiding them it's even more important now i think to be to be visible and talking to people it could be uh, around the systems and processes in your business it could be around your, your you know your crm your database systems i mean it could be in other words it could be a good time to sort of organize or improve those types of things because if you have extra time on your hands or it could be about for some people in business it could be about increasing their competence or skill in a certain area especially based on where you see the trends going in your line of work so three six nine months from now where do you sense the opportunities will be? And does that mean that you need to polish up on a certain area? In other words, get better at a certain area because there's going to be a higher need for it and maybe less need for certain other things that you offer as products and services. So those are, and those are sort of what I call more the, the fundamentals. And then there's all the micro habits that you could in, initiate around being more innovative and being more opportunistic about what's going on at the moment. And again, it totally depends on what line of work you're in for what good examples might be. Um, but it, it may well mean thinking about or starting to create different products and services based on where you think your client base is going to be, again, in, in the upcoming months. Um, so there's habits around that. There's, there's planning habits. Uh, I, think, I think more people have become better at organizing their day because they're out of more necessity because either there's less time or because there's children at home or whatever, it, you know. So I think there's, you know, like just a simple example, you know, the night before the next day, planning your, you're planning your day better, identifying the key tasks that have to happen, and making sure those don't get um, bumped for something else that's less important. Um, even spiritual habits. I mean, more, you know, I think can be an important people for, uh, part for some people. And then, and then uh, I know Craig, I'd shared that habit with you, uh, you know, now's an even better time to get more diligence with tracking our habits you know, for personally and professionally. So those would be, you know, a few examples. Uh, otherwise it sort of depends what, what business you're in. I mean, and then there's, oh, and relationship habits as well, whether it's sort of rituals with the family whether that's seemingly small things like having dinner with everybody or whatever it might be, or say taking more time to, 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 to talk to people in your family, um, maybe, or maybe on certain topics to sort of keep spirits up. I know Craig, uh, <laughs> we, at home, we often talk about past holidays, but also future ones we want to take. And it just sort of, it just helps. It's become kind of a new habit. It just sort of raises spirits when everyone's getting sort of frustrated with the, 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 the status quo day in day out you mentioned the habit tracker there i'm happy to share it with anyone who emails me afterwards and i'll make it available for anyone who watches this later down the line if they uh, they drop me an email but you just want to explain the habit tracker that you use yes so um and i don't know i mean i could have i guess it i do have a copy on me look on you keep going you've got where matt and i'll go and find it i'll find your emails me and i'll uh, i'll share a screen in a second you carry on it's a simple concept that um in terms of basically it's it's a it's almost like a spreadsheet really of boxes 
with the months and down the left-hand margin, it's essentially you know writing in there what are some daily micro habits that you want to do day in day out because of the trajectory it will put you on, whether it's exercise or business habits, prospecting habits, and so on, and um, and you can have weekly habits and monthly habits for, for for things as well. But in in a way, that's almost all it is. Um, across the top, I recommend identifying, you know, those one or two mindsets that, yeah, right here, this is perfect. This is brilliant. Um, one or two, you know, across the, this, who I'm becoming. So that's the mind, the inside job, the mindset piece. So it's who I'm becoming might be attracts more of my ideal client, becoming increasingly focused. And then it could, I mean, it could be anything, right? Well, it depends what your biggest pain points are in your life. Um, you know, a lot of people don't think they're worthy of big success. And I know that's a somewhat uncomfortable personal subject, but it's an accurate one um, if we're honest with ourselves. So that, that belongs at the top. Um, but then it's about picking daily habits that essentially start to prove to your brain that you're becoming that person. Um, so, what, you, using... so you'd put on there, Matt, for example, um, you know, take my daily walk, communicate with my kids, you know, eat breakfast if I don't eat breakfast, you know, whatever it, whatever it might be to improve all those different Absolutely. areas. Yeah, number of meetings with introducers per week, uh, number of phone calls a day, number of meetings per day you might want, I mean, whatever's jugular. I mean, just to give you an example, I mean, again, ultimately this is meant to stretch us. Ultimately, these are meant to be things that require a little bit, a little bit of self-discipline, not an insane amount because that would exhaust us and we'll fail. Um, but two of my favorite examples last year, Craig, and by the way, and this should apply, this should apply to anybody that, that listens and watches this. Um, I had a client whose most important or most valuable micro habit last year was three stretch asks a, a week. Uh, and his definition of a stretch ask was something where he gave him butterflies in his stomach. Um, right. So it's, it was subjective, but he knew it was outside his comfort zone. He had a, a great year last year. And what's, what's also, I think what's more impressive is that he's having an even better year this year, even during the lockdown. Uh, he's also a financial advisor. Um, but, the, but that's not the point. The point is, is the principle of it is doing the uncomfortable. Um, and then I had another client last year who had a daily habit of hearing no or not now once a day, which again could apply, could apply to almost certainly anyone in business of any business. Um, Within the, the 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 logic behind it was, you know, he'd been described by other people as too nice, too much of a people pleaser, um, but it, and it, it forced him to be more assertive in a good way, not aggressive, but just assertive, um, and 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 he got more yeses as a result. So yes, he's increased how many people either put him off, you know, kick sort of punt him down the road a little bit, um, or, or say no. But it's again, he's he's ended up also growing business significantly because of that so those are two great examples because you can see that those would put you on a different trajectory because those aren't things that we generally think to do um but that's the idea behind the daily habit um and then it's a long fairly long journey for each of us in learning really this is what i love about i have groups that do this every week virtually and it is fascinating to um to see people learning more about themselves in terms of what they realize that I guess in terms of how they can accomplish a goal, you know, most people will start this process and they'll overdo it. They'll have too many things on the list. And then within a month, they'll get demoralized and give up because they overdid it. And so really the, the trick to it for most people is to start small, literally with just three to five, five, you know, a few things on there and then build your confidence up as you, as you build your accomplishments. Um, and then you start to learn what your boundaries are and it's a messy process. So you're going to, you know, each month I, I will cross things off, um, and, you know, put, change things out and all the rest of it and realize that something really isn't a priority or that there's something's more important. And so it's just, con it's, but it's really, really helpful because you learn a lot about, you also learn, I think ultimately why you have had fa so failure with, with trying to create change and, 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 and implement new, new habits. Cause that's the thing that drove, you know, I've, has boggled my mind coaching people over all these years is and no one wants to hear this but just how making lasting change is i think is a lot harder than most people or certainly people who write books and speak about it make out i mean most most people that present on the topic tend to suggest that it's it's you know it's not difficult um and, and, that, and you know it, it's not hard to understand this content but doing it and, and seeing successful outcomes yeah, you know, a lot fewer people get to that point. 
And I think part of it is because we have unrealistic expectations. So we, we expect to see great outcomes much quicker and forget. Okay, let's pick, on a, let's, on a particular, let's pick on a particular habit that I know is a weakness of mine and is something you've talked about a lot. I think when I speak to business owners over here and, and, and financial planners over here, I think there is still this British mentality, this, um, this fear of asking for referrals. So what kind of habits would you create to actually get the financial advisor or the business owner asking the question about a referral? Habit could we create? I mean, you know, the most obvious micro habit would be, you know, a certain number of asks per day, frankly. Um, um, I mean, let's talk about how we ask them, Matt. Let's talk about how we ask them. And, and then the mindset would be, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that. I mean, it's, it's a great question. Um, but yes, in terms of micro habits, there's not too many, you know, it's the truth is it's almost like a metaphor for our, our life. Like, the biggest obstacles have to be faced rather than avoided. Um, you know, in other words, if we're single and we want to start dating, you know, we've got to ask that person out, you know, if they're not, like some things are never going to change until we do. So, I mean, how do you ease into it? Well, you ease into it, I suppose, by asking people first off that you have the best relationships with that you're most comfortable asking. Um, and then I suppose become bigger and bolder in terms of what you ask for and who you ask. So, you know, you ask for the people that will be more forgiving. Um, but there's other, obviously there's other pieces that make it easier. In other words, what, you know, wording that you use, which isn't really a micro, I'm, I said, okay, fine. Another micro habit could be to practice the conversation repeatedly until you get more comfortable with the flow of the wording. So it starts to feel like something more natural for you to say. So that's early on a useful micro habit, as I said, but it really aligns with this mindset that the biggest shift, you know, the funny thing is, is you say people in, you know, in the UK have, um, have this discomfort or more bashful. And by the way, it's a complete myth that Americans are more um, comfortable asking for what they want. Cause there's, I've no, I've seen zero evidence for that. There's a public persona of outward confidence, but when it comes to act, push comes to shove, people are absolutely just as bashful. Um, you're right. There's certainly more of a cultural acceptance that it's um, more socially acceptable in, 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 I think, in the UK, not, not to be um, overt about asking. But I think you just, you just work around it with softer wording um, uh, that, that sort of, um, you know, I suppose, minimize, or so it makes it sound like you're minimizing what you're, what you're asking for when all you're really doing is making the words um, just more digestible for other people to hear. <laughs> so I remember, I remember reading some examples in your book many years ago, and I used and I played with some, and I used some, and as, as ever, I stopped using some. So what, what is your you know, top tip maybe on, on the way to introduce it and ask for it successfully? Well, my favorite language has always been, you know, it'd be silly not to ask you dot, dot, dot. In other words, if you're talking to a happy client or customer, it is silly not to ask them, about other people they care about that you could potentially help because you could help them and they know that and you've got a decent relationship with them. So um, another other language might be, you know, how would you be most comfortable, Craig, introducing me to such and such a person? Now, I got that from a, <laughs> a very introverted accountant in Derby years ago. You know, they were the most reserved, introverted people I've ever had the rather challenging <laughs> experience of coaching. They actually were quite good in the end, but it took a, it took a while. But, but um, you know, that, that it's, a, it's a, so a lot of it is a language. It's also a mindset thing. I mean, I've coached loads of people in the UK on, and once the, sh once people shift in their own minds, that this isn't about this tacky sales pitch, but that, that I believe in my heart of hearts that I can be useful. I, I can be helpful to people you care about. Then the wording doesn't matter because you can just sense I mean it. Whereas if I've just learned some tacky wording at a sales seminar, um, you know, and um, I'm just going to give an example, but I don't know if it's helpful, but, but just sort of some old school way where you know, I say, well, listen, um, here's a I've, I've got, I've got a piece of paper here for you with 10 blanks on it. And I want you to, I'm going to go away and get some coffee. When I come back, I'd like you to have filled out 10 people that you know that I can, I can, I can hound on the phone over the next three weeks mercilessly. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, of course, but um, so it's both. It's, so it's, it's a mindset thing. And once we realize that, once we, if we believe that we're really just trying to help people, then the rest of it can fall into place. And then you can be very authentic and open and real and saying, Craig, you know, I don't know anybody in your network. Nobody at all. We've never had that conversation. And you actually know right 
I'm being truthful, even though we've met face to face and chatted. Um, I would love though to take a few minutes to, to sort of talk about people that you are close to or fond of. Um, and by the way, you asked that BNI question. That's another way to get specific is to talk about people that they're someone's closest to and then pick a certain place or community. So whatever that might be. So if, you know, if that person has a team that they work with, um, then it's, you know, who do you along best with on your team, but that could be on your committee on, on any group of people on the board that you serve on, who do you get along best with that you think might be most interested in, talking be a meeting me or learning more about this so but anyway but gravitating towards that as well so in other words it's people that you know that you know and like that that, that sound like good prospects to me and that that would be the comp that you know the context for the conversation do you think any uh, a referral request like that i mean i love the language there. do you think it always has to be done face to face or over the phone or is that something that could go in an email you know what what, what do you think Okay, so it's a good question. Face to face is is always best. Is it necessary? No. Um, you know, I mean, texts work now sometimes. It, and again, it, it depends on the quality of the relationship. Um, you know, but um, but there isn't a right or a, a wrong way. I think it's just what you know. If you can ask face to face, it's the most effective way to do it. And in fact, it's funny because I talked to someone last week who's a top of the table <laughs> producer in um, in Coventry. And, um, you know, he was, he was sort of making this observation about how most people nowadays think that, you know, you ask for everything and learn everything virtually. And he said, I, I, I still pick up the phone. That's the best way to do it. I pick up the phone and I talk to people and so many more good things happen than when I send an email and nothing, I hear nothing for three weeks. And it's so funny because it, it can almost sound so outdated. And yet um, he's right. You know, way more will come out of a conversation with someone more often than not than an email exchange. So it's it's worth taking that to heart. And again, that raises fear for people. Right? I mean, people are going. It's easier to to send an email. So I'm just thinking, that's I'm just another thinking, thing that might, I might just, have it. Yeah, I'm just thinking of all the conversations I've had the last four weeks as I've slowly called pretty much not all my client bank, but a large percentage of it, and I'm still working through the rest. If I'm on my daily walks, I'm just thinking not once. Did I have the courage or the nous to have a conversation like that about, you know, I'm sure there are people in their, in their respective networks, families, communities that could have benefited from something that we do. And I just haven't. And so I was just wondering whether now would be too late to send them an email saying, great chat to you the other week. Um, I didn't get time to ask you, you know, something, I don't know. Um, just thinking out loud, I suppose, Matt, see if there's a value add in there for me. Absolutely. I mean, and, and then it's little things, I think, too, forgive me if I'm stating the obvious, but, you know, like a good subject header. So the subject header might be, I completely forgot to ask you, dot, dot, dot. Uh, but something more eye-catching, rather than so too many of us are guilty of just putting follow-up or something really dull in the subject header. Um, or, but, but, you know, something eye-catching, but then, but then absolutely to say, you know, I completely forgot when we were talking the other day. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't, ask you you know whatever it is and, and again in your scenario it might be um something along the lines of you know are the people that i don't know again i'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this clearly but are the people that you care about that have mentioned recently not having heard from their financial advisor during the lockdown or since the markets have been up and down um because you know, I'd be more than happy to see if I could be helpful to them or answer some of their questions. I mean, again, I'm paraphrasing, and I don't know the businesses of the people that are tuning in, um, in terms of you know, customizing a different version. But it is, a, I mean, again, if you've got a good relationship with someone, I don't know. I mean, there's always exceptions, but I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with asking people for something. It might just maybe what you ask for, it, it you know, varies at the moment. Again, depending on whether your business is terribly high need or not at the moment but it's still a great way to to reach you know to, to get to keep building your network and uh, and being useful as well i mean that's feel like that's one of the things i've you know took i mean that the, i don't know if it's an overused phrase in in wales craig or not but the idea of the pivot plan in business it's certainly you know so we're hearing more and more about this notion i mean some people's businesses aren't i mean, may not even be there in six months and and so and i'm not trying to be um melodramatic or whatever but 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 it's sort of really thinking about where might things be and how might i want to start to be to adapt 
my business relatively quickly you know should i be how hard should i be thinking about new products and services and reinventing my business maybe altogether even um and uh, and that well but so where i'm going with my line of thinking there was that that might be useful questions as you're talking to people to ask them you know what are you struggling with what are you finding challenging at the moment um but to sort of get a feel for where they might have a need and how how could it align to what your business is but just to give you some other ideas um you know to, so that you if you know as you potentially need to reinvent your business what does that look like and just to give you one example because i as a one of my business owner clients he's um he's a software developer which i know doesn't actually doesn't mean anything much to me if i didn't know him but he develops apps for gyms but specifically crossfit gyms for the most part but but many of those gyms are going to are going out of business already because they simply didn't have any funds set aside for people no longer paying memberships while they're closed um and some of them some of them will come out of it okay because of how quickly they've pivoted to offering different workouts to offering yoga classes and and starting to sell more products and you know different things along those lines so i'm just using that as an example um but um anyway but it's it's, it's well, i mean he, he's been working 18 hour days for the last two months yeah i think the most successful thing i've seen locally has been a similar thing where a gym's transformed to pivot and they've even opted in for our clients on a 28 day free trial but um and yeah I, I quite like that Matt, and it's for the benefit of people who will either watch this now or might watch us in the future get any can you give some other examples of what team people do really well with in and offering additional services well it's it is pretty early for, I mean, restaurants are perhaps one of the best examples for, for, for you know, that we're all seeing in terms of, of pivoting quickly. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I, like one financial advisor I know who actually she's also, I don't know if she's top of the table, but anyway, you, you, you may know her, but um, she's certainly very active in Million Dollar Roundtable. But she's been using this time with her team. She's done a lot of things, interestingly, to, more to plant seeds and build relationships um, in the short term. But one of the things she's been doing much more proactively is making a lot more online content, which is actually she'd never done before, but developing online content in terms of teaching her client base, but then also to spread the word about different, um, about products and services that they provide, uh, educational um, online videos. And, and so building that up uh, as a means to, I suppose, building the business in the future um, by providing that education and using it as a tool um, and hopefully, again, all kinds of different things, I think, but also developing different, she's also been working on other products, like she's got a couple of really cool best practices, industry best practices, and she's been developing those to sell to other financial advisors, all, all of which can be done virtually. And, and one of them is a physical product. It's almost like an organizer for financial documents, but includes legal documents and things like that. But I'm just saying it's the principle and the creativity of that that, that, that is impressive. Um, I mean, she's been doing things like um, having her team meet or, or work, get together with lawyers and, and, and make sure that her clients' legal services are being met since people are worried about their wills at the moment and their life insurance and things like that. So again, that's, that's been a different pivot. And of course, she doesn't get paid for that. She also had her office and herself, they were calling all or many area businesses, most of whom weren't clients, to sort of educate them on government legislation about loans that were available and many of those businesses were too busy to really learn up on that so again not getting paid in the short term on that but creating enormous goodwill and i'm quite sure we'll find it then very easy to go back to some of those businesses when things quiet down to some degree and go back to them and be able to then talk um, business with them you know so those are just those are some ideas and i, I mean i probably if it, if you perhaps gave me, a, I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I know, um, yeah, I mean, I know people in the, the business that have been, again, offering different services or offering a free service that isn't normally free, sort of like a property appraisal and some tips on things they can do to make their house nicer since they make it for those that have extra time on their hands to decorate the place better or spruce up the garden. I mean, so things, you know, just trying to be useful, but that ultimately build... And especially certainly in this country, when estate agents generally do a dreadful, dreadful job 
of building relationships. They're very transactional. They essentially say, if you, I'll help you sell your house. And the minute they've done that, you never hear from them again. That's yeah. 98% of people in that business. So, so it's, it's, it's people that say, like, again, they're in transactional businesses that have had to change and start to think more about relationships and uh, how important those are and that they, they need them for the future. Is that's, then, you know, then that's almost like their, their future net worth is based on the quality of their network. Okay, well, you obviously did a great job, Max. People are so enthralled in what you're saying. I haven't had any questions or chat pop up. So uh, maybe let's bring this, uh, this great conversation to a, to a close. Any final top tips you'd give to any business owners about how to you know, survive this and then thrive after this? Anything else you've, you've been seeing? Or? Okay, so the three that come to mind, um, one of them is, I mentioned this earlier briefly, but one of them is about avoiding bad habits. I think uh, at times when we're scared, we're much more likely to do things that have negative long-term, can do negative long-term damage, whether it's to our health or to our business or to our finances. So I think that's one tip. Um, my second tip is around self-discipline. And it's more of a reminder, but I find it enormously helpful to know that our self-discipline sort of wanes and runs out as the day goes on. So for those somewhat more uncomfortable more challenging things it's it's wise to try and do them at the beginning of the day generally than to wait until you know think we're going to go exercise at nine o'clock at night i mean a few people can pull that off but most can't so i think that and understanding that's important in terms of how we plan our day that the big stuff is best done early and uh, and then i think the third thing is coming back to the habit tracker um and i suppose self-discipline is that I found over the years that it's almost a myth to think that most of us are going to pick up a ball and run with it without any support or accountability from anyone else. Of course it's possible. Um, but I think my, my biggest suggestion would be to, to get some kind of accountability partner. Doesn't it, the only, the only thing that matters about that person really is that it's someone you don't want to fail in front of because you would feel too badly about it. But especially now don't, you know, it's even less likely that we're going to do it all on our own and follow through on it. So get an accountability partner of some kind, somebody that you can just report into to say that you did something or not. I think that's the other thing I would suggest. And I know you, you might expect that from a coach, but again, I just um, and have spoken to so many audiences over so many years and, and everybody that speaks to an audience consistently who's honest will tell you that only about 2% of, of any audience will ever follow through on much of anything. Um, and so it's that awareness of let's get real about holding ourselves to task and, and to assume that we're going to do that all on our own. I'm sorry, is, is mo of course it's possible. I'm not trying to insult anyone. It's possible and it's rare. So get leverage on yourself by getting some accountability from somebody else. I think everyone who I had speak on the conversations we've had so far, we put it in our book that we wrote a couple of years ago. I think um, everything I, I hear at MDRT, if either have a coach like someone like yourself or someone you can just chew the cud with once a week, once a fortnight, get into a study group. You know, there, there are so many ways to do it. But yes, I, I, I couldn't endorse that more. I think if I look back yeah. on my journey, the amount of people I've had to lean on and chat through, and including yourself, we had breakfast a couple of years ago and shared some ideas, didn't we? you know, some best practice and accountability. Well, I mean, how many financial advisors are there in the world? I mean, it's testament to the fact that we need accountability. We need a guide and a mentor and someone that knows more than we do to help us. I'm not talking about necessarily people hiring me. I'm just simply saying it could be I've used my children on occasion to hold me accountable because I was too shamed to sort of let them down <laughs> on a holiday um, that was sort of a target goal. Um, again, it's not that the only point is it's someone you don't want to for, but that's, I mean, you know, again, one of the pieces of many pieces that you, you too bring as well is that, I mean, obviously it's expertise, but it's also, there's an accountability part piece to having someone to guide you, um, in terms of, you know, how to make smart decisions around finances. Cause you know, most of us don't. Um, so again, it's the principle that counts, but it's, it's important. And now more than ever, I think, uh, you know, we're a lot of us. It's imp it's all, I think it's impossible not to feel a little shaky at times because there's so much uncertainty. So leverage other people to help you with that. Absolutely. absolutely. Mac, where can people find you who might want to subscribe to anything you do or see you speak or see any webinars that you do? Well, I think the best place is LinkedIn. So it's Matt Anderson, I-N-T-L is, is the, the, probably the easiest, quickest way to find me and connect with me because then you can message me and so on. I have a website, of course, it's matt hyphen anderson.com matt-anderson.com um it, you know it's um tends to get a bit out of date because all my 
business and relationships have come from word of mouth. But uh, that's, that's what I'd suggest that, to get in touch. You've said that I can share the habit tracker to those who sign up and attend. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, again, it's one of those things that um, until you make it your own, it may not look all that exciting, but I, I am beyond obsessed with the value of it. I just think it's an unbelievably valuable thing that I believe is sort of kind of continuing to pull me in a better direction. And that's, that's the way to look at it. It's not to beat yourself up. It's to make you a, a better version of who you are at the moment. Yeah, you've obviously sent me through the blank one, so thank you for that. I just wonder whether there's merit in possibly if you've got permission or, or maybe share your own. Might be worth sharing a half-completed one or a completed one that's maybe gone on for three or four months of yours or someone else's that maybe I can share as well to show what people to my, I, I know that would work for me particularly is just to see, you know, an idea of what how people are using it. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Okay. I mean, essentially... Uh, it's you either tick the box or you score yourself on a scale of one to 10. Uh, and it, it's a personal preference. I do both. It depends on what, what the, you know, the item is and then, or, or it's a measurable number, you know, in other words, if it's 10 phone calls a day, well, that's, that's easy, right? You just write down how many calls you made. Do you think it might be seeing, good to see an example of habits that other people can go on? Oh, okay. I, I can see what, what people are putting in there. I just, sometimes yeah. you think, oh, I won't write that down. That's too meaningless. Not realizing how effective that little habit might actually be. Yeah, no, you, you make a wonderful point, Craig. I mean, I think it's a good place. Um, I think it's a good place to get ideas. It, you know, and, and this will sound bad when I say this. It's also the biggest mistake people make, though, because that's the biggest. I made that mistake a few years ago. I copied someone, um, someone else's from a book that they wrote, um, and and I and, and as a result, I didn't stick with it because it wasn't mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, there were good ideas. There was nothing wrong with any of it, but it wasn't mine. And at some point, my brain taught me out of it, saying, well, this is Marshall Goldsmith's thing. Like, this is, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So that's my, my, my word of warning there is I, it may, I understand we want our best practices. And I, someone can email me if they want to pick my brains for some ideas. And, and, and same for you. Yeah. Um, um, but it, it, it's really important that it, we make it our own. Yeah. Uh, it's so important because what works for one person, I know it's a cliche, but it's, it's even shocks me that things that I think are just sort of, obviously useful things for someone else they do it completely differently and it, and it actually could quite often work for them um so well i've put my email address in the chat box for those of you who don't know me you can email me and i will happily share the uh, habit tracker with you um i'll put when this gets out as recordings on um linkedin people can direct message us mac thank you again for your time if you stick around i'll kick our attendees out now and we'll just have a couple of minutes debrief but uh, thank you again for your time and for sharing with us Sounds good. And uh, good luck for those that listened. And, uh, you know, obviously, please, please take action and uh, drop me a line if I can be helpful or great for that matter as well. Cheers, Matt. Stay safe. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. <clears throat> just remove the. A couple of jump off already. Uh... Right, mate, that's that. Okay, well, brilliant. Thank you for that. I'm going to I'm going to make sure that when I get this recording changed. So I'm, however, I can then share it with the. Uh, LinkedIn, I'll check, check this out a couple of times over the next couple of days and I'll put in a couple of the top tips and a couple of scribbles I put down uh, from there. But thank you for that, I mate. Mean, I appreciate you investing time. No, my pleasure was, uh, I mean, does something come out for you that was that was quite helpful? Well, I'm just thinking, I, I, I turned into a bit of a selfish bit there because of the lack of attendance, but um, you know, I was just thinking about, I've made, you know, it must be in excess of 150 calls over the last uh, four weeks. Every time I go out for an hour with the dog, I'm on the phone for an hour, hour and a half, calling people just to see how they are, see if they need anything, you know. And it's generated it's a business, don't get me wrong, but not once, no, bar one case, not once have I asked any kind of referral question at all, once. And, and I sometimes try and square that off in my own head, own head by saying, well, Craig, you're not looking for that many more clients. Um, that's not the point. Even if I put them into the practice, I should still be fine. So I was just wondering whether there was merit in an email afterwards to say, look, really forgot to ask you. You know, this is a nervous time. Um, if your friends, family, loved ones aren't getting communication, don't be afraid to send them our way or something like that. Yeah, I mean, a couple of thoughts come to mind. One is, we didn't talk about this at all, actually. Oops, but, uh, but journaling on a topic could be really helpful. So if you really want to dig, ask yourself, what, what am I afraid of by asking clients for referrals? That would be worth your while, um, I think. Um, but the other piece to it would be, if you don't want that many more clients, then I suppose it's what kind of clients do you really, really want and ask for those. 
So that way you could say, um, and, and again, it's all about how you word it so that it doesn't um, offend, you know, rub anyone the wrong way, but you might just say, I'm sort of carving out a growing segment of my business for people, for business owners that are thinking of selling their business in the next one to two years. I'm just using that as an example, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever it is, or I don't know, I mean, of executives at large, you know, accounting firms, I mean, you know, fill in the, the, the niche that you, you want as an ideal client or people that, again, I, I, I say whatever you want. I mean, you could even say that are, you know, actually in the ultra high net worth bracket because, you know, the education I've got, I, I've got some incredible strategies from whatever you want, you can say it. It's, it's almost like saying, look, I've been a, you know, a GP for the last 20 years. Um, and in recent years, I've added licenses that, uh, that help me perform um, heart surgery or, you know, whatever, you know, some specialty area. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that uh, at all. Um, or it could be a product even that's so helpful to a specific again demographic um and uh, and just and that way you can throw it out there and and that way you only get really cool opportunities and even if nine out of ten people say no, sorry mate i've no no idea then you lose nothing so i mean that's another way to spin it too um but it's it's the clarity of it really mm. um you know if you say people that you really care about that too can be broad um then it, again, it might be a specific situation. Um, you know, if you say, well, people are still going through divorces, unfortunately, if they're not now, then perhaps in the near future, again, well, take your pick really. Um, or you, it would maybe just, you vary it depending on who you're talking to. Um, that might be part of your, your prep work for your phone calls is one of my favorite questions. You know, what would I love to ask this person? And you think about it in advance. Who does this person know or who do I think they know? And maybe I don't know. And so I should ask them, but what would be a great thing to ask? Um, they might, I mean, now you're really getting me going. I mean, they might be able to put you in front of a room full of people, even virtually. So it might be a group audience that they, maybe they belong to an association or some group that, again, where you could talk to other people like them. Um, that's another potential option. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Business Secret Podcast and managed to take away some valuable tips and activities to help you in your business journey. This podcast is aimed at those about to start their self-employed life, are already well into their time as a business owner, or are interested in the business world of Wales. If you like this episode of the Business Secret Podcast, you can catch up on our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Every episode is available on our website on www penguinwealth.com where you'll find a full transcription of each episode, useful links and a step-by-step -step process on how to download and keep any episode released. You can also download your free copy of our book, The Business Secret, direct from our website. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts.